by sharing with you a few anonymous quotes about greatness. Great things happen when great men and women meet great obstacles. Did y'all hear that? No man has ever come to true greatness who hasn't, to one degree or another, felt like his life belonged to others. That God gives him things, God gives him gifts for other people. That's what happens to great people that become very others-minded. Here's another quote for you. No one is truly great who is great only in his or her lifetime. For the true evidence of greatness is revealed after we're gone. One more. I know of no great man or woman except those who have offered great service, here comes, to the next generation. At Bethel, we celebrate children. At Bethel, we celebrate young people because they are our legacy. Children and young people are the future of Bethel Baptist Church. And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what makes a Christian great. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, perhaps one of my favorite passages in the Bible. How many times have you heard me say that? I know, I love the whole thing, but this is a good one. In Matthew chapter 18, the tax collector turned apostle is writing to you and I, And he says in verse 1 of Matthew 18, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, and he set him, the little child, in the midst of them, the apostles of God. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Verse 6. But. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin... Cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lamed or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is better for you to enter into life with one eye 
rather than to have two eyes and be cast into hell fire. Verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven they're angels. Y'all getting that? In heaven they're angels. The little ones, angels. Always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one who is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that didn't go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one, say one, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Both Mark and Luke say that they were actually arguing about it. Going back and forth, arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But later Jesus would say, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Remember what I said. A servant is not greater than his master. So if Jesus does it, his servants ought to do it as well. And then in Matthew 5, 19, Jesus said, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least. Least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Today, when Jesus was asked, who is the greatest? What did he say in verse 2? He called a little child to him. And he set that child in the midst of the group. And he said, assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he telling us? Jesus is telling us that we need to change and become like children. Become like children. You see, these disciples had become so wrapped up, so preoccupied in their own self-worth that they lost sight of their God-given purpose, which was to save that which was lost. See, many today have the same problem. Many have lost sight of their God-given purpose. When you're born again and when you're saved, God is calling you to be a part of saving the lost, of reaching out to the lost. But so many become so heavenly-minded that they're no longer of any earthly 
good. And so what does Jesus do? He uses a child to help his self-centered disciples to get the point. He said, listen up, guys. Listen up, boys, unless you're converted. That is, unless you change the way you're acting, unless you change your attitude, unless you change the way you're thinking, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Boy, I bet that got their attention, amen? Jesus started talking to me like that, I'm all ears, amen? You see, that's what convert means. Convert means to turn around. Convert means to turn from your current course of conduct. Convert means to change the way you think about a particular subject, in this case, children. You can be converted from a sinful lifestyle. You can be converted from an apathetic, uninterested attitude. You can be converted from a preconceived notions about God and other people. And you can be converted. Be converted from how you view the value of children. Now, don't misunderstand me and don't misunderstand the Lord. Because we are not to be childish in the way we act, in the way we think. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, when I became mature, when I grew up spiritually, I put away childish ways of thinking. But we are called by Jesus himself to be childlike. Childlike in the way we think about God and other people. Childlike in the way we act toward other people. We're called to be more like children. Well, how is that, Bill? Well, think about this for a second. Children in general are very trustful, almost to a fault. They can get into trouble by trusting people, adults. Children have to depend on other people for their very own well-being. Children, by nature, desire to make other people happy. Man, children love to make their parents happy. Children seldom boast about themselves. Children want, never want to be greater than others just for the sake of being greater than others. So what I'm getting out of this is this, y'all. Genuine believers have got to abandon thoughts of personal greatness. It's not about me. It's not about you. We've got to abandon those kinds of things. We've got to take a lowly position of a child. We've got to become, verse 3, become as little children. Now, that word become in this context means to be like. Become means to develop into. Become means to grow to be like. So it's interesting to me that Jesus saying to a bunch of adults, a bunch of self-absorbed disciples, 
He's saying that we are to grow to be like children. Friend, in what areas do you struggle in being childish? If you're honest with yourself, are you still kind of selfish with your time? Are you still kind of selfish with what's yours? Are you still kind of selfish with the gifts God's given you? If you don't get your way, do you sulk? If you don't get your way, do you blow a gasket and lose your temper? If you don't get your way, do you cop an attitude that your husband's got to live with all week? That was not personal. And that was not directed at anybody. Janet gets over her grudges in one day. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Friend, are you more concerned with your own comfort? Are you more concerned with what's yours and what you want to do whether than you are for God's glory? Friend, if you are like that, you're kind of childish. But what about the areas where we should be childlike? In what areas are you making progress in your Christian walk of being childlike? Do you depend on God for everything? I'm asking that. Do you depend on God for everything? Do you? Yes or no? Nod your head, shake it. Bill, I don't know what you're talking about. If you depend on God for everything, then do you still struggle with worry? Amen? Come on, join the party. Amen? We still struggle with worry. Why? Because we really don't trust God. Right? Maybe you need to grow to be more childlike. Children are very trustworthy. Do you trust the promises of God? Do you trust the promise of God that he will save to the uttermost those that are wallowing in the guttermost? If so, are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to people that are hell-bound with no hope? Maybe it's because you don't really trust God's promises. Friends, are you becoming more Christ-centered and a whole lot less self-centered? Because that's one thing that children do is they are pretty self-centered. They know what they need and they want it now. Amen? Amen? So I believe that if you're in agreement with me on this, I believe we all have some growing to do when it comes to being more like children. So how am I going to make those changes? How am I going to change and become like a child? Well, how about this? Why not be humble as children? Look what Jesus said in verse 4. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. One of my favorite stories about Billy Graham is when he went to a little town to preach a revival and when he arrived, he needed to mail a letter. And so he encountered this little boy and he said, 
son, where is the post office? And he gave him directions, and Billy thanked him and said, hey, if you come to the Baptist church tonight, I'm going to share with you how you can be in heaven with God forever in heaven. And the little boy scratched his head, and he said, don't think I'm going to make it. You don't even know how to get to the post office. How's that for being humbled? Amen. And so the disciples waited breathlessly for Jesus to tell them who is going to be the greatest. But he blew by John and James. He passed right by Matthew and he passed right by even Judas. And he came to this little child who was in their midst. Because it was this child who was the example of true greatness. Why? Because it was this child who was humble. See, true humility, y'all, means avoiding two extremes. When you're truly humble, you avoid the extreme of thinking less of yourself than you ought, but also avoid thinking more of yourself than you ought. Not only pride, avoiding pride, but you know what? The truly humble person never denies the gifts that God's given him. The truly humble person never denies what God has given him and uses them for the glory of God and the good of other people. So when Jesus asks us to humble ourselves, what's he asking us to do? He wants you to identify with children. He wants you to identify with those people who are weak. Those people who are solely dependent on others. He wants you to identify those who have no lofty status. He wants you to identify with those who have no influence. He's asking us to come on down to their level. Come on down to where they are. Assume a lower rank. Place yourself below them. Why? so that they may be lifted up. So that they may assume the greater position. You see, the standards and values of God's kingdom are exactly opposite to what the standards and values of the world are. The whole way of thinking it's got to be turned on its head. The whole way you think about serving God has got to be flipped upside down. So for a Christian to be great, maybe you need the mind of Christ. What's that look like, Bill? Well, Philippians chapter 2 tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, that's pretty great, amen? Amen? Did not consider it robbery being equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of a man. Here we go. He humbled him. 
self. How much did he humble himself, Bill? Even to the point of death. That wasn't far enough. Even to the point of death on a cross. God. God's son. Stepping out of the glory of heaven. Taking on flesh. Coming like a man and humbling himself. Even to the point of death on the cross. So for the Christian to be great, maybe we need to change the way we think. Maybe we certainly need to change the way we act. And then we need to grow. Grow to be more like children. How? By placing ourselves below others. By placing ourselves below others so that they can learn, so they can be blessed, so they can be exalted. But here's another way. Another way that you and I can change and become like a child is to connect with children. Look what Jesus said in verse 5. He said, whoever receives a, one little child like this in my name receives me. So in order for us to become great Christians, we need to understand the full meaning of what Jesus said in verse 5, receives one little child. We need to know what that means. What does it mean to receive one little child? Now, if you're listening, say amen. Here it comes. Receive means, in this context, to take by the hand. Now, I want you to think about what we do for children, okay? Think about what we do in the children's ministry. Receive means to take them by the hand, to become friends with. Receive, in this context, means to listen to. And to embrace and to bear with. we got some kids we need to bear with, amen? But it also means to endure. Amen, they're just kids, right? They're just little ones. Sometimes we have to endure with them. And of course, the perfect example of receiving a little one is given by the Lord Jesus himself in Mark chapter 10 in verse 13. Listen to how Jesus received the little ones. Here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And listen to how Jesus received the kids. Here he goes. And he took them up in his arms. And he laid his hands upon them. And he blessed them. That is how we receive. You know, I get the distinct impression here that Jesus was not only fond of telling kids that he loved them, he was also fond of showing them that he loved them. Remind me of a story about a four-year-old girl who got so desperately scared in the midst of a thunderstorm. Then all of a sudden, a loud clap of thunder happened, and she jumped out of the bed. She ran down the hall. She dove into her parents' bed. Said, don't worry, honey. It's going to be okay. The Lord's going to protect you. And the little girl snuggled close to her daddy, and she said, Daddy, I know that. 
But right now, I need someone with skin on. <laughs> Y'all, we need to teach God's love to our children. When Jesus came to earth, he was God with skin on. And he calls you and he calls me to be Jesus with skin on. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me, he said. Whoever takes the child by the hand, whoever takes this child and becomes friends with him, whoever takes this child and, and listens to what she has to say, whoever takes this child and embraces him and loves on him, and shows love to that child. That's the same as doing it to Jesus. Friends, I pray you are getting the importance that Jesus is relaying to us. The importance of children. Because he says, whatever is done for this little one, it's accounted as if you had done it for me. And I hear that, and I say, you know what? There is not going to be a day go by when I don't receive a child in this way. So maybe we need to grow being like children. Growing by humbling ourselves like children and connecting with children. But then in verse 6, Jesus gives some really strict instruction concerning kids. And I pray you listen to this much like I did all week long because he says, you better be a good example for children. Listen to what he says in verse 6. But whoever causes, say causes, whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe in me to sin... It'd be better for him to, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For the offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye is causing you to sin, especially in front of these children, then pluck it out. Cast it far from you, for it's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and cast into hellfire. Man, Jesus starts talking about heaven and hell as a result uh, for my relationship with kids. I'm better than listen up. I pray you listen up. Anyone who tempts a child to sin incurs enormous condemnation. Now, you need to know what a millstone is. A millstone is this large, round, stone, wheel-like thing that was used to crush grain into powder. It was so big and it was so heavy that it took an ox or a donkey to pull it around in a circle to grind the grain into powder. 
Now, I don't have to tell you that if you took one of these huge millstones and you tied it around your neck and I threw you into the sea, where are you going? Straight to the bottom. Amen? And if you go straight to the bottom with a millstone around your neck, you are dead meat. Amen? Amen? Jesus says it would have been better for you to suffer that. Better for you to suffer a millstone at the bottom of the sea than what will happen to you if you cause a child to sin. Man. Jesus is for real about this, right? He's serious. Why such a serious penalty? Well, here's why. It's bad enough if you want to sin on your own. It's bad enough if you want to sin against yourself. But to lead a child to sin, to destroy that child's innocence, to corrupt that child's mind is inexcusable according to the Word of God. That word offenses in verse 7 can be translated stumbling blocks. It can be translated temptations. And we got enough of that without Christians providing stumbling blocks and temptations. There's the world, our own sinful nature, and the devil. They're all teamed up against us. All three want the same thing. They want you and I to turn our back on Jesus. They want to try to get it in from the foundation of that child. If they can get that child to turn his back on Jesus, maybe he'll never come to Christ. But if a person becomes an agent of evil, if a person leads a child to take the same path, boy, will his guilt be great. Jesus says, these temptations and stumbling blocks, they're inevitable in the world. They're inevitable, they're coming. But how terrible it's going to be for the one doing the tempting. And can I just say, especially if they're a professing Christian? And so Jesus illustrates what we got to do. He says, whatever you must do to avoid falling to the temptation of sin, you got to do it. Especially in front of a child. Whatever you got to do. Cut off your hand. Cut off your foot. Pluck out your eye. Whatever you got to do, you better do it. Especially If we want our children to go to heaven, and I know we do, then we better be sure that we're leading them there by example. So, friend, how are we going to make an impact in the life of our kids? How, in heaven's name, are we going to make a difference in them? How, friend, are we going to influence our kids to be faithful followers of Jesus?
Do we just merely teach them right from wrong? Do we merely teach them to believe in God? Do we merely teach them to respect their fellow man? I mean, can you really teach those things to where they stick? Jesus says that's not enough. You have to exemplify it. You have to be the living manifestation of belief in God, right from wrong. The living manifestation of respect towards other people. You got to live it out. Live out these truths each and every single day so that our kids are irresistibly drawn to the right and the good and faith in Christ by your good example. So to be a great Christian, maybe you've got to change. Maybe you need to change and become as a little child. Humbling yourself, connecting with children, and being an example of Christ to them. When we sum up this message, we have to conclude that in essence, we make children our priority. As a church family, we make children our priority. Look what the Lord said in verse 10. He said, take heed that you don't despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains and seek that one who's straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go, to stray, go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Children should be our priority. When you look at that word despise in verse 10, what that means is to think little of, to not think anything of children, to think small of children. You see, regardless of whether they're church kids or not, regardless of whether these children are in our church family or not, Jesus warns us, you better not turn your back on them. Don't you turn your back on these little ones because I came to save that which was lost. And to highlight the importance, Jesus reminds us that their angels, the angels of these little ones, those angels that are charged with watching over kids, they're always before the Father. Always before the Father. And just as a shepherd makes it his priority to find that one lost sheep, that one little lamb, so we too ought to make a priority of ministering to the little ones. And see, children are not only important to, the, to their angels. They're not only important to the Lord Jesus Christ, our great shepherd. 
They're also important to God the Father. Did you see what verse 14 said? For even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one, not even one, of these little ones should perish. So if children are important enough to engage angels, if children are important enough to employ the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, if children are important enough to go to God the Father, clearly they should be important to me and you. And that goes for no matter how difficult they are, no matter how lovely they are, no matter how lowly they are. So friend, today begins one of the next three Sundays where we are going to provide ample opportunity for you to put feet to this message. You heard the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself. Now what remains is, what are you going to do about it? Today is the first of several CIA Commitment Sundays. And my question is simple. Can God the Father count on you? During this decision time, you'll have an opportunity to come and sign this sheet and be obedient to God's message to me and you about receiving our children. You can sign up, put your phone number there. You can even pick the age group you want. How you want to serve the children, you just sign up. You just be obedient. And you know, maybe you didn't have a good example when you were a kid. Maybe your parents were heathens and drinkers and maybe you didn't have the good example maybe you never had the opportunity to make a decision for Jesus that generational curse is going to end with you can I have an amen on that if you've never had that opportunity I got good news for you today's your day today you can follow the Lord Jesus Christ, giving your life to Him and allowing Him to use you, especially in the life of the next generation, which makes people great. So will you humble yourself as a child? Will you become like a child? Will you connect with a child? Will you be a good example for a child? may say, well, I'm a grandma now. And my calling and my job is to be a good grandma and receive my own. But that's not what Jesus said today, is it? He doesn't want even one of his little ones to perish. How sad it would be if there was a little one in our, com in our community 
who perished because we weren't being obedient. Jesus came to save that which was lost. He came to save you. And it's not the will of the Father that even one of these little ones should perish. So will you trust Him today with your life? Will you trust Him today with your service? You see, it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. Don't miss out on your God-given purpose. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the privilege of being a part of your work here in this church. We thank you that because of the gifts you've given us, you use us to make a difference in the lives of all the little ones that we know.